you're listening to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, presented by Brandon Elliott. This show will be going over all aspects of real estate investing and is intended to educate, motivate, and prepare you to take action on your first or next real estate investment. For more information, please visit BrandonElliottInvestments.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Right. Welcome back, everyone, to Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast. It is your boy, Mr. Brandon Elliott, and I have the privilege today to welcome our guest. What's up, Bernie? How you doing, man? Hey, I'm really good, Brandon. How about yourself? How you doing tonight? I'm good. I'm good. Hey, thanks for jumping on. Um, you know, originally, we actually met at the ServeX uh, convention, and um, thanks to Manny Lopez, and it's funny because when we were actually, before I actually met you, I think it was like the last day or second to last day of the event, I had probably about five or six people come up to me and constantly just kept on telling me I had to meet this guy. So, uh, you know, it's finally good to be able to connect. And then, uh, you know, the relationship that we've built since, since then has been pretty good. And, um, you know, it just makes sense to actually get your story out here on the podcast and be able to give back and, and uh, be able to, you know, share some of your wins and, um, you know, all the crazy things along the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Brandon. It was, it seemed like it was just yesterday that we met at, at Cervex that Manny Lopez had hosted. And it was funny because as people were saying, oh, you know, you need to meet Bernie. I kept hearing, because it was part of, a, uh, there was a lot of uh, Stephen Delacruz people that were there, and a lot of them are in the real estate market and field as well, and everybody kept saying, oh, you got to meet Brandon. I got to introduce you to Brandon, and for whatever reason, that first day when we were doing that uh, icebreaker uh, little, uh, you know, concession that we were doing, uh, we just never connected. We didn't connect until the very next day. We were out on the patio, and you're like, hey, are you Bernie? I'm like, hey, are you Brandon? And <laughs> and it went from there. So it was uh, it was fun to actually connect with you. We had a really great conversation. And I think if I remember correctly, you were actually going to Cleveland to go look at, or you had just come back, I think, from looking at actually some uh, properties out there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, a bunch of properties over there now. So everything's working out pretty well. Yes. Um, cool. So for those out there that might not know you, crazy of you know, crazy people that don't know you. Do you mind actually giving a little bit of background of, you know, who you are, what you're up to, and exactly the type of real estate that you do? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Uh, so I started in the mortgage business, uh, started in, in 2000. And um, it was interesting because I was doing a hard money loan. Our office was doing a hard money loan for somebody that was flipping properties. And I never knew what he did. And I just knew that he was making a lot of money. <laughs> and uh, I realized that some of his deals, he was making more than I was and it started to intrigue me. So I uh, had a, a lunch, I bought him lunch and said, okay, what is it that you're doing? And he's like, hey, I, I flip properties. And I'm like, well, what does that mean exactly? Wasn't sure what that meant. And uh, so he took me onto some of his job sites and I was just really intrigued with the whole flipping process. So uh, that's what I've been doing. Uh, my very first flip was in uh, 2007. I had a hard money lender that uh, is actually still in business. We're still really great friends to this day. Uh, still is uh, uh, one of my primary sources of hard money. 
and he gave me the opportunity. I didn't know what I was doing on my very first deal. Yeah. And uh, thank God it, I had some great mentors and it was actually that very first person that we were doing, uh, that I was doing hard money loans with, but uh, he had passed away actually right before my very first flip. So I didn't get his mentorship, but I had his whole team around me that was able to help me because I really didn't know what I was doing. So I've been doing flips since 2007 and that really has been my primary real estate function is the flipping business. Um, recently we have been looking at properties in the Midwest for passive income because as I have understood and come to the realization is we have to keep working to keep finding that next flip and through our marketing efforts, through relationships, and so now it's, it's looking at that passive income in, especially in the Midwest where I know that you're at and um, I'm looking for that opportunity to, you know, start to buy and hold in the Midwest. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. obviously, I mean, you've been doing it for 11 years now um, yeah. and you've obviously made a good impression on uh, that first guy that actually, you know, walked you through everything. Um, could you tell us a little bit more in detail about that first deal? Yeah, it was, uh, well, and he had actually passed away, so I didn't get his mentorship, but okay. he had built a foundation for me, literally gave me his entire playbook, you want to call it, as far as where the numbers should be, where I should look as far as opportunity. And uh, back then, prices were a lot different than what they are today. Um, you know, it was 2007, it was right before the crash. And, uh, so prices actually were really, uh, actually it was different, but it wasn't different. It was lower, a little bit lower as far as what the start point was to get into that property. Um, when all said and done, and it took a little bit longer than I anticipated because I, I ran into a bunch of issues that I didn't know anything about. And luckily I had consulted with some really good people, um, from not only his team, but other investors that I had run across that kind of guided me through the process. Uh, when all is said and done, um, you know, like I said, it took a little bit longer. It took actually the whole entire process from start to finish. It was about a six month window. And I originally had estimated a four month window uh, from start demo to actually selling the project. But again, my inexperience uh, really showed on that very first project, made a lot of mistakes. But at the end of the day, I mean, we still you know, turned a, a slight profit after we had a couple private money investors that were involved. Um, you know, and I thought $12,000 back then was, was great for my very first flip, you yeah. know, so considering, um, like I said, we ran into a bunch of challenges that I didn't know what to even do with. Uh, at least we made money. I was able to pay back some of our private money investors that did invest with us and we didn't lose any money. Yeah. Still win-win. That's good. Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, going just two months over the actual first project, I think that's pretty good. I remember my first project, it took uh, five contractors and <laughs> a year and two months later. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So okay. big learning curves. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, it, I think I had the foundation because I had my mentors blue you know, his, his playbook in a sense. Yeah. And he aligned me with already contractors that I could trust that I had already met previously because again, I was doing hard money loans for him. So I saw the whole entire process from start to finish. So he had told me and, and set me up with his contractor. So once I was ready to do that first flip, 
which again, which was in 2007, I just, you know, had him pretty much tell me what it was that he was going to do. And I knew that he wasn't going to take advantage of me like most contractors do um, because I had trusted him and I was continuing, I was going to continue working for him uh, in other areas because he was also flipping. And then we started doing loans for him as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great position to be in to kind of just transition into that. That's awesome. Yes. So he pretty much, you know, walked me through from demo to explain how the demo process was to, you know, forming to foundation to everything that I needed, but it was my first flip. So I still, I didn't comprehend everything. And it took me quite a number of flips to actually be comfortable. And they say, uh, well, it's, oh, it's going to take three days for framing. Then I could say, well, why is it going to take three days for framing? You know, should only take two days. So that learning curve on the construction side um, was something that I wanted to master. And I don't want to say even today, I'm not an expert, but I know that if I did hire somebody off of the street, a contractor, I know that they're not going to be able to pull the rug out from underneath me, you know, make me blindsided because I do have that foundation. Of course. Yeah. Now you're just talking about kind of like the, the steps involved kind of, um, when it, when it comes down to the contractor and, uh, the mentor at the time that kind of brought you into the atmosphere, um, for somebody just getting started out there, do you mind giving like a quick little breakdown of some of like the process of, um, you know, kind of start to finish really quickly of, uh, what that would kind of look like. Sure. How it would be. Yeah, absolutely. So the first thing that I want to share with your audience is your contractor is going to make or break you. So find a contractor that you trust and you're going to have to go through a lot of bad apples until you find that right contractor. Mm -hmm. Fortunate for us, we actually are, our team is actually there on payroll now. So I don't have to deal with that any longer. I don't have to worry about that. Oh, we have different subs that come in and out, but for the most part, our main core guys are on payroll, so we don't we don't have to deal with that. But for the new person, just, it, it is it really is. But now you have to get to a point where you're able to be able to provide yeah, them to be on payroll. Yep. You can't just start with that. Yeah. So you have to go through a lot of bad apples at first. But one thing that I want to recommend, you know, to especially somebody just getting started in this business is have that contractor walk with you, you know, the project and have them explain why they're going to do what it is that they're going to do. How come this happens? What steps are the process? Because the more that they're able to teach you, it's going to help you in the learning process. Yeah. So you're going to go through, like I said, a lot of bad apples. And when you do find that right team, that right contractors team, it'll make all the difference in the world on your flips. Uh, even, you know, even your passive income, if you decide to invest in your own state, I'm in California. I know Brandon, you're down in San Diego. So I'm in Los Angeles County, but even some of the properties that we've looked at here for maybe some passive income opportunities, the contractor has said, this is not going to work for, you know, for what you need it to cash flow. It's just not going to work, uh, work because there's too much work involved. And I took the full responsibility of allowing that contractor to be honest with me. And this was a, a property up in, in Bakersfield, actually, uh, up in central California. And based off of his recommendations, we decided to pass on the deal. 
So the steps that, you know, I just want to share is you're going to really, because you don't understand the, how the contracting world works, it's, you're going to have to allow them to, to teach you how you. The, the steps, exactly how to guide you through the process. And again, it's, it's a matter of finding, and you'll know when you find that right contractor because they're honest or ethical, they will actually, they will provide you with everything you need to do to determine if they are the right fit from job references. And that's really important, job references. A lot of contractors will say, oh, I've done X, Y, and Z. But when they actually give you the telephone numbers and say, hey, go see the work that I've actually done, you can contact them when there's video testimonies. Um, there's something powerful in that because a lot of contractors that are fraudulent, I don't want to say fraudulent, but are phony or that are going to steal your money, they pretend to be this amazing contractor and then you find out, oh, well, they didn't finish this job, they didn't finish this job. And you can easily search on the contractor's, you know, website to actually see if there's, you know, contractors that are actually um, have, have good reputation online. Ethical. And, and ethical, exactly. And so over the years, you know, that's what I did. As I said, hey, provide me references. You know, I want to see references. I want to be able to go talk to them. And, and then there's something that I also found out because there are some unscrupulous contractors, unfortunately. What I would do is I would actually go to the city and actually see if their name was actually stamped on the plants. So because we saw a lot of oh yeah, I'm doing this project, I'm doing that project. Well, it turns out they weren't doing those projects. Yeah. But, and I caught them in their lives because I was able to go to the city and you can actually go to the city and, and look, review, you know, blueprints and, and actually uh, everything that was filed with the city permits and all that. And if that permit says one contracting company, but yet you're talking to another contractor company and they're saying they did the work and you're like, wait a second, how come XYZ yeah. company's on there and not your company? Yep. So you, you learn along the, the way of who's being truthful and who's not. Okay. Yeah, of course. Now that's a great tip. Yeah. Definitely. Um, you know, for the Ohio area where, um, where I invest, you know, when it comes down to contractors, they actually don't need to have their, their license over there, which is crazy. Um, but I guess nationwide, the rules kind of change a little bit. And, Absolutely. Um, you know, long distance is something that makes it a little bit more difficult. But, um, but I think well, those are me, great tips. Well, and let me just piggyback on that, Brandon, because we, and, and I'll be honest with you, there are a lot of jobs that we do when we are flipping that we don't necessarily need a license for. Now, our general contractor has that license, yep. but you know, does our landscaper have a, you know, yeah. a, a license? Does our painters have licenses? No. So, but our contractors do, do. Yeah. they, all of them have a contractor's license and everybody's just subbed underneath that. So I'm not saying a contractor's license is only going to protect you as the investor, sure. as well as the, the future homeowner who's actually going to buy that flip. And when we do our work, we're not, and, and I don't say this in, in a negative way, but we do every flip as if we were going to live in that property. So we don't cut corners. We do high-end products in every flip that we do from the hood to high-end. It doesn't matter because we want the, the neighborhood to actually thank us for doing a great job in their community. 
And so we don't cut corners. And so we, we take pride in our work. And I think that's very important as an investor. There's some investors who just, what I call lipstick on a pig, where they're just going to yeah. paint. You know, sure, I, we've done those projects, but I don't like to do those projects because that doesn't, doesn't get to showcase our work. That's we right. like to do, you know, from adding master, you know, value, master bedroom, master bath, and, and not just a master bedroom bath, but a retreat. We like to have that master bedroom and bath as a retreat. And, and it's, again, it was as if we were going to live there. That's how we do the work. Yeah, that's great. So just overall, like stepwise, I mean, just really get out there, find the best uh, contractor, ask for references. And um, that, that's been my saving grace pretty much is yeah. getting references because when I've actually, um, you know, tried screening all my own, I, I literally, one time I called up 15 different contractors. I scheduled them all to show up. I flew out there and at this one property that I was doing a full rehab on, full remodel and um i had five guys show up two of which were late and then two i i was um I, I was thinking about going with and then at the end of the day i i went with both of them at different times and they both screwed me over um mm -hmm. until i finally went at the very very end um i, I went with somebody that i got referred to and that was kind of like, you know, the, the saving grace part. Um, but yeah, on that, I want to piggyback on that because also at the beginning, and this is something as a new investor, um, when I mentioned, so you don't want to give the whole control to your contractor. Mm -hmm. So you also want to hold their feet to the fire. And what I mean by that is we have a clause in our contract. If they say, Hey, it's going to take, you know, 30 days to do whatever portion of the project you know, whether it's framing or, you know, not 30 days, but I'm just saying, so we hold their feet to the fire and we actually put that in the contract. So if they tell us it's only going to be say three days to do foundation, but yet it takes them five days. Well, we're penalizing them every day that they go over. So this is a great way to find your solid contractors yeah. because in writing, you're going to put, Hey, if you go over three days, we're charging you $125 a day until this is done. Yeah. And boy, I'll tell you, that's a great way to hold their feet to the fire and actually commit, have them commit to getting this done within the third day or fourth day, whatever it is that's written into the contract. Of course. Yeah, that's a great tip. So uh, let's talk about 2007. So, I mean, that's when you jumped into it. Uh, how did the market affect your, your real estate investing when it actually did, you know, the recession hit? Um. You see, that's, that's the beauty of the real estate market, because if you follow the real estate trends and the cycles, we go up, we go down. And so to answer your question, it actually, we, in 2007, that was, that was towards the end of 2007, that first flip that we did. But in 2008, because we were starting to buy properties at a lower price, there was a lot more profit margin that was actually in the flip. Yeah. So we were like, man, this is great. This is like amazing. You know, we went from 12, 15, 20, 40, $60,000. You know, we, every flip started getting higher and higher in our profits because we were getting, a, we were getting properties at a lower price than we did in 2007. So, and, and you know, we're at that 10 year peak now, you know, I, I, 
we're still on the incline, but are we going to have another market correction? Absolutely. When's it coming? No one can really determine based off of some of the factors that I look at. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking maybe around 2020, you know, we will see a dip again because we can't keep sustaining this uh, equity that just keeps going higher and higher. Interest rates are going to go up. We already know that's going to happen. I think they're slated to go up another two times this year. Um, So we just cannot keep sustaining that equity. So maybe I'm, I'm speculating around 2020 we will have a market correction and that's going to be another great time to buy. So what I'm telling new investors right now is, Hey, you know, start preparing, start socking that money away because when the time comes, which it will again, look at the real estate trends over, over the last 50, 60 years, that's what's happened. So it's a great time to start saving money so that when we do have that correction and it's not going to be like it was in 2008, definitely not but it'll be a great time that you can actually pick up, you know, have, have really decent prices again that you can pick up for either your own portfolio or perfect time for fix and flips. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, you know, there, with, with the market changing, I, I think this is going to be the perfect time. Um, and nobody has a crystal ball to actually figure out when that's right. going to be. But like you said, you know, in the next two years or so, I, I think that's probably about accurate. And, um, you know, this is the perfect time for somebody that is interested in getting into real estate to actually start, you know, getting the knowledge, get everything under your belt, start, start picking away um, at, at some of your advice, some of my advice and other people out there and start adding to your toolbox to really um, be able to take on a project and start stacking away money because um, as the market still goes up now or levels out, whatever it does, you know, there's still opportunity now in any market. Sure that you're in but um there is going to be tremendous opportunity when the when we have a nice little recession again absolutely and and there's something brendan that when you just said that it just it really triggered me to to think here's a great time for like the new person who's just getting started you know been to all these seminars and i'm not going to go off on a tangent on that but i just i want to come back to just the new investor here is a great opportunity for that new person, you know, to, to gain the knowledge that they need to succeed in this business is to partner with somebody like yourself, somebody like myself. There's, I mean, even people that have been on your show, on your podcast are very successful there. I mean, they're doing amazing things. And so if some of these newer, you know, people that are in your audience, in, in my audience that want to do this, here's a great opportunity right now to say, Hey, why don't I joint venture with you? You know, how can I help you? And when I actually, well, that first one, I, I failed to mention there was two projects that I saw with my mentor before he passed away where literally I shadowed him almost day and night and I didn't get paid a dollar. Literally, yeah. I didn't get paid anything, but it was that experience I was gaining. And even though I did do my, which is priceless, absolutely. Even though I didn't get paid, that knowledge that I got and his playbook helped me for not only the first one, but that carried me over until 2018. Some of his techniques I still use today. So they're still relevant. So for that new person who's just saying, gosh, I don't have the money. I don't, my credit score stinks, whatever, whatever. Here's a great opportunity right now. As you said, Brandon, there's opportunity in today's market, even in Los Angeles, even in San Diego, it doesn't matter in California, deals are still being done all the time and it doesn't matter. So, for the new person, I just, I'd like to really, you know, encourage you to say, 
hey, start partnering with people, get that experience, you know, even if it's say 30% or 40% or even 50% of the deal, it's better than zero, you know, so, you know, I would rather take 40% of, of that deal than take zero. Exactly. You know, like I did, I did that, you know, a couple of times, but it was again, that priceless information that I received and I wasn't even looking for, for an opportunity and money. I was just looking for the knowledge on how to be able to do this because it, it really intrigued me what he was doing. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. I love how you said it. I mean, at the end of the day, any percentage is better than no percentage, <laughs> uh, you know, if you're going to pass up deals and also when it comes down to partnerships, it's really awesome because I'm just jumping into partnerships this year and yeah. uh, I've, I've done a few now and it's, it is something that, you know, you have two people to actually pick, you know, your brain with and uh, get creative and, and think of other opportunities, which is awesome. And yeah. um, also, you know, another person to kind of delegate some of the responsibilities and work towards, which is, which is really cool. Free up some more time. Yeah. And and with that, Brandon, and let me just piggyback again off of that because it is important. You do have to find the right partner. And and so let me go, there's two, there's two partners that I want to talk about. I'm talking about the brand new investor who just says, Hey, I want a partner. You know, I can, I can help, you know, I can help the contractor. I can do whatever where they're putting in a little bit of sweat equity. You know, maybe, maybe they found the deal. Maybe they can, because they found a great deal that we wanted to take down you or any of your, your audience or, or I'm sorry, your uh, participants that have been on your show or yeah. say myself, where they come to us and say, Hey, we found this amazing deal. I just don't have the money. So we're going to partner with them as the new person. And we're going to, at least for me, and I, I think you're the same way, Brandon, because you and I are aligning ourselves a lot similar as far as our beliefs in this industry, where we're going to help that new person out. We're going to teach them, you know, and they're going to get that education that's so desperately needed in this environment, not taken advantage of. And I know that's not what you're going to do. I know that's not what I'm going to do. And a lot of your uh, participants that have been on your show, they're not going to do that either. So the new person, you know, can definitely learn from everything that we've done in the past and get that valuable, you know, education that is so needed again, as I talked about, but then the partnerships that I think that you're talking about is finding two like-minded investors where now you can, you know, bounce ideas off of them. See, I never thought of partnerships. I was always the Lone Ranger, but about three years ago, I realized, okay, I'm not growing anymore and I wanted to do more deals, but I was, mentally exhausted. I was physically exhausted. And so when I found that right partner and it took years and years to find, once I found that right partner now, like you said, I can bounce ideas off of him. We're going through a project right now where he's like, man, I've never done what I've never, what they're asking of the city. I've never, I don't have any experience. I'm like, I don't either. So out of 11 years of experience, this is new for both of us. And my partner, Ed, has flipped, I mean, he's probably, I think he's over 100 flips, you know, in the last years that he's, you know, been flipping properties, you know, so we're learning together on on something that in LA County, if you do anything over 75% of new construction, you have to get fire sprinklers. Nobody actually adheres to that for the most part, but this one city that we're dealing with, it has been very buy the book, no cutting corners. And we're like, we found out we need a drainage plan. And we're like, what is a drainage plan? Like we have no idea. So we're learning together 
And it's been great because we've been able to bounce ideas off of each other. Well, what about this? What about that? What about the fire hydrant test? We had to go, you know, get a fire hydrant test from the city to test the water pressure of the fire hydrant to make sure there was enough water flow for the water sprinklers yeah. to, or the fire sprinklers we're putting in. So it's just, it's been a very great learning experience. But again, I'm glad I had that partner to be able to, because I'd have been frustrated with the city because yeah, we closed on this property. It, yes, we closed on this property June of 2017. Here it is almost a year later and we haven't even been able to demo. So, oh, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. And so, so that's real life issues that come out. I don't care what people tell on TV, you cannot flip a home in a half an hour or an hour. It just, <laughs> it is not real. It, I just want to share that it is not real. Yeah. You know, everything is not perfect all the time, you know, and sometimes you run into departments that I don't want to say they want to see you fail, but they want to make it very difficult for you to succeed. And, and this is real life, you know, yeah. we've, we've had squatters in this home, you know, and uh, we've had the deputy inspector on this project, you know, call us up in the middle of the night because squatters had moved in again. We've literally boarded this house up three different times and they still keep getting in. But now it's boarded up from the inside to the outside. We have, you know, all the wood inside that's, you know, literally no one can get in now. So Wow. But it's been a learning experience. I haven't had to deal. And this is in a, in a, you know, relatively nice community. But yet this, this home was abandoned for literally nine months before we got it. It was, it was vacant. So it was a lot of uh, the neighbors, neighborhood knew that this was the problem house. So, I mean, there's been, you know, daytime parties with teenagers there. Really? So it's, it's been a lot of good experiences on this one. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> You know, yes. I, I do want to dig in uh, just because you, you said a lot of good things right there. Um, when it comes down to squatters, you know, I haven't had anybody talk about that yet. And I actually haven't uh, come across that issue yet. So, um, but also, you know, you brought up how there's, you, you guys have been doing it for 11 years just yourself. And I'm sure your partner, uh, possibly even longer. Yeah. Um, you know, you guys are coming into new regulations and new um, just laws, I guess, that are passed that you have to abide by um, in in that certain area. And you know, the 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 fun and crazy thing that always keeps you on your feet with real estate, I think, is that the principles and um, and some of you know, like the 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 main, the main principles behind real estate will always stay the same and, and certain rules within real estate. But then, you know, as time goes on, real estate's always uh, an evolving type of game that, you know, there's always new laws or something that um, in the next 10 years, you know, certain things that we're doing today might not actually work out. Um, so, so that, well, for, for that, and, and yes, I, and absolutely. And I just want to piggyback on that because as the changes have come, and I'm going to speak on LA County because that's where we're at is in LA yeah. County. Um, there's things now with all the chemicals, all the asbestos and everything yeah. that we took for granted and really never even considered. It's really a hazard. It and is. so th this house in particular we had to do an asbestos, you know, uh, report. Oh, wow. And it is not, and, and I want to share this with you, you know, with your audience, because when you do this report, 
you think, oh, I can just call any company. They can come out. They can do the asbestos report. And there's a lot of companies here in Southern California that say, oh, yeah, we can do the report. Are you sure? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, we found out that there's a lot of companies here in Los Angeles County that say they can actually do it. They'll come out. They'll do the samples and this and that. But then when you send that report to something that's called AQMD, which is Air Quality Management District, when you send the report to them, they look at it and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, this, this company is not a, per, uh, uh, what's the term? Yeah, exactly. And there's a specific term, yeah, license sure. with air quality control. Yeah, there's it, only a few out there that actually there are. There is, yeah. absolutely. So we went through a learning curve because we're like, oh, well, where do we find this list of company? Well, AQMD said, look, there's no company out there except for this one particular company that we recommend. Well, when I called him, the guy's like, oh, did you come from this company? Did you?" And he already knew because this is what's happening in LA County is there's, you know, these shyster companies that will take your money. We paid a, a fair amount of money for this report, you know, but it was a waste of money because we couldn't even use it with air quality control because it wasn't from a licensed vendor of air quality control. So yeah. this so we had to do an asbestos report. So after the report was done, in the demo phase, there was just, and thank God, there was only a small portion of asbestos. So what's going to happen is they will have to, there's going to have to be a, a asbestos remediation company that has to take out this specific area of the asbestos. They have to baggage it in certain types of bags, but then it can be thrown into the regular dumpster, but it has to be marked you know, with these bags. And then when it gets to the dumpster, they actually take that one particular bag out and then throw it into an asbestos, you know, filled dump. Yeah. And I didn't, we've never had to do that before. And it's just as laws change, again, we want to make sure that we are providing a great quality house. So we need to make sure that we're up on what's going on in LA County. Yeah. And so we've learned a lot with this project here in this one particular city, because we're so used to doing in certain area of Los Angeles that we know the inspectors, we know everybody and they're, you know, they help us and tell us what we need to do. But yet in this city is a new city for us. We've never done a project here and we're finding out some of the things that are needed for LA County. So we, it, it's being, it's to be mindful to find out what the city requirements are for, you know, flipping a house in their city. You know, and definitely, and I, I don't know how many times I, I can tell this to people, do it the right way. Because if you don't get permits, if you try to cut corners, what will happen is the city will shut you down and literally make you wait until they're ready for you to start again. Of course. It hasn't happened to us, but we know of some other investors and there's a number of cities that they've tried to, you know, go in, do their flip, not pull permits. The city shuts them down and the city's just like, oh, we're going to make you wait because yeah. you tried to screw us. Like we are going to make you wait. We knew one investor, it was four months before he was able to start again. Yeah. You know, we know another so, investor. Though, at the same time, you know? What's that, Brandon? And what? Uh, you know, rightfully so at the same time, which, which it is a, a pain in the butt to, uh, um, you know, get all that, you know, have to wait that long. But I mean, if you're trying to cut corners, it, 
you know, you might be able to get away with it once or twice or, you know, a few times down the road, but how you do one thing is how you do everything. Absolutely. And, and you know, Absolutely. if you're, if you're cutting corners and that's just, you're going to get caught up and yep. uh, you're not supplying, uh, you know, good, a good solid service. And that's yep. what we should be doing. Absolutely. Um, as real estate investors. Yep. So cool. Do you mind um, talking about really quick, just, uh, you know, how, cause you had an issue obviously with some squatters, you know, how did they get in and how are, how are you actually getting them out? Are like, do they just take off during the day and then that's when you can try to reboard up everything or do you actually have to physically get them out, get cops involved? Yeah. So, um, to answer your question specifically, uh, the very first time I encountered the squatters, I personally got them out and I was just very stern. I had a shovel in my hand and I didn't know who was in the house. So I, I was a little fearful at first and I, I was like, I'm calling the sheriff's department. You guys get it better. Get out now. Well, it turns out it was, uh, you know, I don't know if it was a husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, and they had two little girls. They're like, we we just needed a place to stay, you know, and we knew this house was empty and I was just, and then my guard went down, you yeah. know, because I'm just like, they're just trying to survive, you know? And I'm just like, listen, bro, go, there's, there's shelters up the street, you know, call them, you know, get, you get girls, like go take yeah. care of your family. you like, I get it, but there's no electricity here at this house, you know? And then I found out that they had actually, they did have electricity because they tapped into the neighbor's electricity. So they yeah. did have electricity you know, and they were cooking, you know, by candlelight and, and fires and, you know, that could have burnt down the house, you know? Yeah. So, uh, so I dealt with that the second time, uh, it was a group of teenage kids at broad daylight. Um, they were partying in the house, you know, and they were, you know, doing drugs and all kinds of stuff. And as soon as I said, I was calling the sheriff's department, everybody was like, okay, we're, we're not going to come back. We're not going to come back. And then what I started to do was um, I got the neighborhood involved and I said, look, you know, I introduced myself to everybody and I said, look, you know, we bought this house. We're just having some issues with the city. You know, if you see somebody breaking in, you know, please give us a call. Um, we ended up calling the sheriff's department and the deputy inspector was, was working with us as well because she had to arrest squatters before it happened with me. She had to arrest somebody because they threw a brick and it actually hit her in the top of the head. Um, so she told us get a no trespassing sign, which we did. So once we put that up, that gave the sheriff's department the right to come in and actually arrest anybody on the premise. Okay. So, um, what they were doing is we were boarding the, the house up, but it wasn't to FHA guidelines. So meaning we just put plywood over the windows. We just, you know, either nailed it in or screwed them into the foundation uh, into the wood shingles, you know, we thought that was, that was going to work, but apparently the squatters knew a lot more than we did. And they would either cut the nails and power to well. exactly. <laughs> and then, so one day we would board it up the very next day they were inside the house and it was just, it was becoming a nuisance. And so the deputy inspector said, listen, she said, I'm going to get, this is your last time. I'm going to have to start citing you you know, because they keep breaking in, the sheriff's department keep coming out. You need to correct this problem. You need to do FHA guidelines and board up the house the way it's supposed to. 
Wow. Uh, sure enough, I went to FHA, you know, and what's called, you know, it was, it was what they used to do back in the days for the REO lockouts. They would have to board up the house to a, a certain specification so that nobody could get into the house any longer. Oh. And so um, that's what we had to do. And it has been that way now for about eh, almost three months. And thank God nobody has, has been able to get in since then. Wow. Yeah. I, I haven't heard of that. Um, FHA guidelines for yes, there's, the house. There's FHA guidelines that will teach you what specifically, what type of wood, how thick the plywood needs to be, what type of screws, what type of nails, yeah. how to board from the outside to the inside, uh, how to put your wood to, you know, prevent the, the doors from opening. So yeah, it's, it's right wow. there in the guidelines to teach you how to lock out, uh, you know, to board up a property. Okay, cool. That's good to know. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, so let's, uh, let's jump into talking about partnerships for a second, because sure. um, from my understanding, you've been with the, the same partnership for your entire real estate investing? No, 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 no. This partnership is new. It's been, uh, it's about okay. three years old, three years old, this partnership. Okay. Um, and before that partner, I had a partner lasted literally one year. Uh, it wasn't actually, it wasn't even one year, but that person was not ethical. That person was not, oh. he showed me something online that I thought he was. And then when, when it got down to it, it just, it wasn't there. And I read right through all that nonsense and we decided to part ways. And, um, I just, I don't like to do business with people that are unethical. Uh, that's not who I am. And I really want to make sure that it's a win-win for both of us. And when greed starts to creep into the relationship, uh, I knew right, right away this partnership was not going to last. But my partner now, uh, like I said, it's been about three years <coughs> and him and I are just, <coughs> we're on the, the same page as far as, you know, we're close in age. We've had a lot of same experiences, not only in the real estate, you know, field, but just in life. Yeah. Um, so I can appreciate where he's coming from. He can appreciate where I'm coming from. And great experience. I mean, his knowledge is probably by far next to my mentor, one of the best investors here in Los Angeles County that I could have partnered with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, yeah. have you guys um, possibly like bumped heads or uh, not agreed on certain things? Like how do you deal with overcoming situations like that? Or are you guys both for the most part level headed and, you know, know how to talk to each other or know how to resolve issues problems yeah we're, we are both really good effective communicators good um so have we bumped heads sure absolutely yeah. bumped heads as Anything. any partnership any yeah. marriage any yeah. boyfriend girlfriend but it's how do you resolve how do you come to a quick enough resolution that's not going to hinder the project of um, both of us he's very creative so i allow him to take that creative side so for instance, he can walk into a house and say, we're moving this wall. We're going to move this wall. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. I let him run with all those decisions and I don't question. I don't second guess it because again, he's got a lot more experience than I do in that. So it, he's got to draw it out for me a couple of times. So I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. But what if we did this? And he's like, no, 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 it's not going to work. Here's why. And he tells me the reason. So I'm like, okay, cool. So, I let him run with all the creative ideas. And, and again, do we bump heads as, and as men that are really competitive? Sure. We're going to bump heads, but 
it's nothing that we can't handle. It's, yeah. it, and there never has been a situation where we have been like, I hate you and blah, blah, this and that. It's, it's like, all right, let's, let's take a few minutes. Let's, let's find the pros and cons. And that's really adult. helpful. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, we, we, here's something that's, you know, for your audience that, you know, you got to look at the pros and cons and say, okay, you know, do, do the pros outweigh the cons? And, you know, is it good for the entire project? You know, and we're not egotistical at all by any means. So we get along very well together. And like I said, I let him run with all the creative, even to the paint colors. I do not pick the paint colors. That's something that he loves to do. And he's got a very good eye for that. And I just let him run with that. Okay. So now as, as far as roles go, like how do, how do you guys determine uh, the roles in the partnership? Yeah. So um, right now I'm more of the project manager. You know, it's, I'm making sure on the day-to-day activities are getting done. Um, now he's got great experience with that as well, but he's pulled in many different directions right now. Not only with our projects, he's doing a lot of brand new construction. So he's tied to some other projects outside of our partnership okay. that really takes a lot of his time. So I'm in the day-to-day more on our projects then he is involved. But again, it just works because the time that he has is focused in other areas. The time that I have, I can oversee the project, but he's very hands-on though too. And he loves to be involved from, like I said, from picking the paint colors to the design of, you know, the bathrooms to the kitchens. Yeah. Um, So mine's more of the everyday day-to-day. I love going to projects. That's something I love talking to the guys, getting involved, seeing what's going on, seeing, you know, where we're at, why is this not happening today? What happened? Why aren't the materials here? You know, so that's, that's my role. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, how do you guys end up uh, coming up with the funding needed? Is that all raised capital or is this money partially from both? Yeah. So um, thing, you know, we are very blessed. We have some great private money lenders. Um, his private money lender, he's been, I'm sorry, hard money lender difference. I, I want yeah. to clarify that. His hard money lender, he's been using for a very long time. My hard money lender, I've been using for a long time. So we both, we can use both of them together. And meaning one can fund ground up construction, the other one can't. So mm-hmm. whatever we pick and choose to do, we know that we have a lender that can take care of, of our needs. And then a lot of it is uh, personal money that we put into the project, but also we really like private money investors. And what those are for your audience that are new is just your ordinary, just every Joe Blow, just your friends off the street. Maybe, you know, or not off the street, your friends that you're, you know, have a friendship with. Yeah. I have a lot of friends that had uh, previous 401ks, you know, and they're no longer with that company. So what we've been able to do is teach these people how to roll those 401ks into a self-directed IRA. And now they can actually invest into real estate. So we teach them that. So we love private money lenders. So, and it's not that we don't want to use our own money, but we want to be able to help other people make money that the bank's not paying them. Of course. You know, so we want to teach everybody we possibly can. Hey, let me help you invest your money into real estate. We teach them why their money is secure, how it's going to be secured. And then, so what'll happen is it's gotten to a point now where 
we actually have more money, you know, that are, is available than we have projects. Yeah. You know, because everybody's like, oh, gosh, we made so much money with you, you know, on the last flip. Like, hey, we just told Uncle Joe and Uncle Joe wants to meet you guys. Yeah. You know, and that's what happens when you do honest work. Everything's in writing. Every yeah. And how I look at it, if I don't make a dime, but I pay back my private money investor, I that's all I yeah. care about. Yeah. It is. It, it what it's more. I would much rather take a loss of because course. I want them to get their money back of because course. that will hinder future relationships. Because again, it, it we only have our word in this business, you know, yeah. and I can only talk so much. I can only show so many HUD ones, but if I start taking some losses, then all of a sudden that private money community is, is very small as well. And then all of a sudden I made one person took a loss and then they tell 10 other people. Now they don't want to invest with us. Yeah. So I've always made it a point. Every transaction that we've been a part of the private money people, they get paid back first for, you know, the hard money lenders get paid back the initial, you know, whether it was a purchase plus, you know, construction. Um, so they get paid back. Our private money lenders are always the second ones to get paid back always before we take any of our profits. Okay. So. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I've, I've actually had a, a, a friend of mine and a, you know, somebody that I could rely on a mentor, I guess. Um, Steve Lloyd, he, he's actually told me in the past that, you know, when it comes down to your, your hard money lenders or your private money lenders, you know, treat them like royalty because yep. they're going to spread the word and get more people to really help support your business. Yep. That if, if you make it almost as if it's a guarantee that they're going to get paid back, you know, whatever, if, if the deal messes up or deal screws up, you make sure that you find that money in some other direction, some other way, and you make that situation happen uh, to pay them back and make it a win on their side. Yeah. And there, again, we've been really blessed that we haven't lost money on any of our projects, but there are none. none. I mean, no, none in the last 11 years. I mean, and like I said, we've been really blessed. We haven't lost any money. That's awesome. That's really good. And and now have we gone over budget? Have we gone? Yes, of course. I'm not going to even try to say that we've been within budget every transaction because that's not the truth. It's definitely not. We've taken losses in other areas, but at the end of the day, because we bought right, we were able to, even though we did go over budget, we were still able to sell it. We were still able to have a profit. But what I was going to say was we have other investor friends that have had a lot of private money investors into their projects uh, from maybe the whole project where private money was actually done for the purchase and they didn't play their numbers right. They, you know, opened up walls and then it turned into, you know, a nightmare and where they've actually lost money. And we've had, you know, again, some friends that say, oh, well, they knew the risk. They knew that they were getting involved, that it wasn't a secure deal. You know, it was never a hundred percent guaranteed. And I'm like, you know what? you told them that they were going to be involved in this project. You signed a promissory note, which I'm the one who, who I told all of my friends who are in the flipping game, you need to honor your word and provide a promissory note. Yeah. You know, and I've like, you've said that you're going to pay that you've promised to pay these people back. 
You got to oh, be a man or a woman of your word, you know? Absolutely. want to, Especially in this business, you of have course. to be. You have to be. Because you're, you mess up on one deal, trust me when I tell you this. And for your new people that are listening to this, watching this, if you are not a man or woman of your word, th your name will circulate in this industry. And it is a very small, it, even though it's a big industry, yeah. it's a very small industry. And your name will be blacklisted. You will oh, not yeah. have, people will not want to do business with you because you weren't a person of your word. It's so true. I've had people come out of their own savings account to make sure that they have paid the private money lenders back. Now, maybe it wasn't within the time frame, you know, that they had said. So I said, listen, you still have to be a man of your word. You did what you said. At least you gave back, you know, what you said that you were going to do and you honored that contract. Of course. So, yeah. No, I yeah. agree. That's awesome. I'm glad that, you know, you brought that up and, and touched on that because that is so important. Um, you know, not to backtrack too far, but I, I did want to bring this up because uh, this is something that, you know, lawyers have brought up to me a few times with uh, partnerships and, and getting involved. But you mentioned that um, the, the partnership that you're in, your, your partner, he, he gets very busy on some other projects going on. And I know, um, you know, writing the contract out with my lawyer, he, he ended up bringing that up, you know, would it be okay if me or my other partner ended up picking up other jobs and, um, and you know, the time commitment that that would suck away pretty much, you know, do you think, or would you recommend, I guess, um, for new, new people getting started or people in general, like myself personally, um, if we should kind of restrict each other in, in the partnership of, of, you know, staying focused on one task at hand instead of, you know, getting a little distracted possibly by others. Yeah. And you bring up a, a great point, Brandon. So with us, I mean, we've been in the business a little bit longer than, of you course. know, you know for, for a while. So um, both of us want to see each other flourish. So, yes. um, so we have our partnership in the real estate, but he's also doing, you know, outside things. I'm doing outside things. So when it comes to our real estate business as, as our projects that we're working on together, um, for somebody like him and I, it, it works out, even though, like I said, his schedule is probably, I mean, as far as busyness, he is probably the most busiest guy I've ever met. Like I look at my calendar. I'm like, I'm not doing anything compared to this guy. Like, but he owns a school, like he's involved in so many different things. Productive things. Just, What's that? Not just busy. He's staying productive. Oh, I mean, from Amazon sales to, he owns a school for at-risk youth, you know, so he's, he actually owns that school. So he's got to be there daily, wow. you know, so to answer your question specifically for, I'm just speaking for the newest person, this yeah. arrangement would not work for a new person. So him and I, it works just fine. But yeah. for the newest person, you definitely have to stick to one project or two projects, whatever it is, and confined in just those projects. There cannot be any outside influence because it's going to hinder the relationship, the partnership. You have to stick to that you know, to the task at hand, if it is going to be flipping, or let's say you want to buy and hold and you guys are together as, as a passive investor. Um, my recommendation for the newest person is do not get distracted with other projects 
other outside circumstances that could actually affect your business relationship. Yeah. I mean, just like in any relationship, um, but especially I, I think the overall, it's kind of like the entrepreneur task is like, you know, focus on one thing until yep. accomplished before, you know, you move on to the next. Um, but if you are getting distracted with other things and, and kind of don't make that fine line of at least the time commitment that you're, you're anticipating and that you're, you know, you could possibly go above and beyond to, to have to pull off certain tasks together, then, um, you know, I think communication is so, so critically important because without communication, this is for any relationship, but yep. you know, business is something that uh, it can get a little hairy sometimes when yes. it comes into play. And um, you know, if communication is, is not there, then resentment can possibly, you know, build up. Um, Animosity towards that person or just say, Oh, I can't stand this guy, but I'm in business with him. Of course. You know, or, or even on the female side, it's like, oh, I, I can't stand this female person, you know, my partner, but I'm in business with her. Yep. So what you just said is probably the most important, in my opinion, um, piece of the puzzle, which is the communication. Because if I'm out there in the trenches day to day and he's off doing his own projects or doing whatever, doing Amazon sales, and I'm like, man, I'm yeah. doing all the work. Why am I, why do I want to split, you know, my profits with him when he's doing all, doing all this other stuff? That's what I'm saying for the new person. No, it cannot be that way. Yeah. Him and I, it's just, it works for us. Yeah. And again, there's no resentment. And again, it's because we do do communication and what's really important is having weekly meetings as well. Here, what's happening, what's going on. And him and I are always actually, I, I say that, but him and I are like on the phone every single day though. Yeah. So even though we talk about once a week meeting, we're actually on the phone every single day, sometimes two or three or four times, you know, a day as far as what's going on. And then we're trying to open up a real estate brokerage as well. So we're in communication all the time as far nice. as, you know, what's happening, you know, on the retail side and, and, um, you know, so him and I just have, have it that way. But for the newest person who's just getting started, I would not recommend that at all by any means, because you'll just end up resenting that person and the partnership will be dissolved immediately. Of course. Yeah, that's great. That's cool. I didn't know about the, the brokerage. When is that expected? Well, let me give you a little history actually, Brandon. So now I'll, I'll share this with you. So over the years we have called agents up and, and we have a lot of agents in our network who say, Hey, we got this amazing property. And, and I'm not bashing realtors. I, I'm, I'm a realtor. I, mean, I have my real estate license and I have since 2007. And I haven't done a retail transaction since 2007 up until this year. I'm getting back into the retail side because of the brokerage. So we have a lot of, of agents that bring us deals. And, and unfortunately, they, what they think is a good deal is not really a good deal. So we have to educate our real estate partners you know, like saying, here's what we're looking for, you know, this type of environment and yada, yada, yada. And here's where the numbers need to be that. And they're like, oh, no one will accept that offer. That's way too low. And it's just because they're coming from the retail side. Yeah. So what we decided to do is we've given away a lot of our listings just to random agents that were maybe the, you know, the realtor of that neighborhood. And we were talking to, you know, somebody who's really successful out in the Inland Empire. 
And what he was telling us is, why don't you guys open up your own brokerage instead of just giving that, you know, listing away to somebody else? Keep, exactly. Keep it in house. And we're like, we looked at each other like, how profound. Why didn't we think of that? You know, like, okay. Now with that though, there is a lot of liability. So there's a lot of liability on that, especially if you take the listing of your flip. So everything has to be disclosed in the car contract. You have to say that you are an owner of that house, you know, and we are now the listing agent on this house. So we've given away a lot of listings over the years. I mean, to the fact where it's, it's literally mind boggling how many listings we've given away and it's never been reciprocated. Like an agent would say, we give them the listing, but then we'll never hear from them again. Yeah. Like, you know, and so after talking to this person, we're like, you know what, why not open up a brokerage? Let's just do it. So we're going to keep it small. So I have, um, I've been entrenched this, you know, pretty much the last, uh, four months or so, give or take five months into retail transactions. And so I'm out there hustling just like a regular realtor. And actually I had to shave my hair because I had set a, a challenge for myself. I was like, Oh, I'm going to get a listing in 30 days. I claimed it. I, I was in San Diego. I, I said, I went Facebook live. I'm going to get a listing in 30 days or less. Otherwise I got to shave my hair off. Well, I went out, I was working, working, working. I didn't get a listing. So I had to shave my hair off. I mean, thank God it's, it's growing back now. It's, you know, another couple of weeks that'll, it'll be back, you know, but, I had not done a transaction, a retail transaction in 10 years. Literally, yeah. it had been 10 years. It's a different so, game, but at least you're a man of your word. Absolutely, yes. I was a man of my word. I shaved my hair off. Um, and I realized real estate has really changed because I've been so focused on flipping. Yep. Like I've, Not that I forgot about the retail side. It's just it's a whole different animal now. It is. And so it really got me to say, okay, I need to find out everything I can about the retail side because when we open up this brokerage, which will probably be in later on this year sometime, we're looking probably third quarter, uh, maybe even fourth quarter. We're, we're not 100% sure, but it will happen this year. Um, we want to be able, I want to be able to take the information I'm learning in the streets, I'm door knocking, I'm doing videos, everything that social media tells me to do because I want to be able to take that knowledge and share this with our newest agents that we're going to bring on board. So that's why I've been entrenched so much into the retail side lately. Okay. Of course, with all the flips going on and you know, everything that we're involved with as well. So of course, you know, I have several friends that actually that, you know, they have it all in house, the whole circle of, of everything. They got contractor crew and everything. And yep. you know, when you actually, when you own all pieces of it, it obviously makes it more profitable, but it also makes it more consistent. And because, you know, you're the leader within the group and you can make sure everything runs well. And you also just naturally start acquiring some of the best of the best uh, team people because, yeah. you know, good, good, strong workers want to work, you know, with the right people, with the right team and with the right leaders, which is awesome. So I highly yeah. commend you for, you know, taking that path. I think that's awesome. Yeah. And thank you. And another, and maybe it was a little selfish at first. I'm, I'm a control freak and I've had to learn how to relinquish and, and delegate. And I, it, it, it's, I'm still working on it. Trust me. I'm not, I'm not the, even to the fact where I have a female friend that her and I are going to a lot of events and stuff together. It, she's the same way. I've never met somebody as far as me like that where I'm such a control freak, I would rather drive than ha let somebody else drive. 
And so I'm learning. She's like, I'm the same way. So she's been driving to these events and I'm like, okay, now I, I'm starting to like, let, go. let go, let it go. And it feels so, so freeing, you know? And so I'm learning that. And so with, with Ed, um, you know, when you got two strong males, you know, really strong males and it's hard to let go and relinquish stuff, but I've also found it very freeing and very, it, it's, it's taken a lot of stress off of my shoulders because now I'm like, okay, I don't have to take responsibility. And as you just said, Brandon, what you were just talking about is I'm noticing that I'm attracting more people into my life that are, they're coming from a, a place of abundance of giving that they just want to serve. Yeah. And it's been really refreshing to see that, Hey, there's no particular, they just want to serve. They want to be surrounded by leaders in the community, you know, and, and real estate allows you to do so many things within your community. I mean, the philanthropy aspect of it, you know, the time that we give to give back to feeding the homeless to, you know, working with our youth that are, you know, at risk of going to jail. It just, it gives you so much freedom to be able to do stuff like that. And now I'm seeing that it's just attracting more people that want to be around us. And it's just, it's, it's amazing, you know, and I thank God every day, you know, yeah. for all those blessings. So those are my yeah. beliefs. I'm not trying to impart that onto your audience, but I'm just saying those are my beliefs and I'm just, I'm just very blessed and thankful. No, I love it. No, rightfully so. That's awesome. So I do want to talk about a few different things and I know we're running out of time a little bit here, but um, I, I do want to talk really quickly about contractors just a little bit. And I, I know we already spoke a, a little bit on contractors, but um, contractors um, and, you know, how, how you come across your leads um, and then so what's, and numbers, you know, how, how you actually come across uh, figuring out your numbers. So really quickly with, with contractors, um, I, I know you, you have your guys on payroll right now, but, um, you know, how did you actually acquire those guys? Was it all just by referrals? Yeah, it was, it was definitely all by referrals. Um, we placed, um, some ads in the Spanish newspaper, um, which is interesting because there are some great workers out there and maybe they're not licensed, but they're great workers. All they want is just an opportunity to work for a good company, you know, and they're willing to do whatever they, you know, have to do because a lot of them have come to this country trying to find the American dream and they've been taken advantage of. And so somebody that, you know, gives them the opportunity, um, everything that all the people that work with us, have come through referrals. They've come through the classificado ads, the Spanish, like little, it's uh, like, um, uh, it was the old uh, recycler kind of like that old, you know, it's no longer yeah. around, but, um, you just place ads, you know, and, and you find, we go through Los Angeles all over, we're over pretty much all over from every city in Los Angeles. And we're, we're talking to people work and we're, we're, not that we're stealing, but we don't, because that's not something we would do, but we're just finding out how are they being treated? Are they be, being retreated with respect? And when you get them to share what's going on and how the, you know, contractor that hired them is mistreating them, you'll find a lot, a lot just by asking questions. So everybody's come to us by referrals. Um, we actually have a lot of people that are, 
I kind of say on, you know, on deck circle because everybody wants to come work with us because they know that they're going to get paid, which is first and foremost, a lot, unfortunately, a lot of workers are taken advantage of and they're not paid, but yet they keep coming back in hopes that someday that the contractor is going to pay them and maybe they're working three, four, five weeks and they, they haven't been paid, yeah. you know, but they want to work so bad. So it's, it's been a referral base, you know, for now, us. Now, how do you deal with bad contractors? I mean, do you, do you let them go right away or? Yeah. 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 And it's all again, what's in the contract. Okay. If you don't adhere to the contract, again, we're going to give you, a, you know, if you tell us three days and you, you know, and we know five days, it's going to, it's going to happen in the fifth day, but you're going to pay for those two days that you went over. But if you tell us, oh, it's going to take another week, if it's going to take another, you know what, here's your paycheck, you're done. We don't, and we had to learn the hard way, unfortunately, and I don't want to come across as some jerk out there, but we've had to, we've learned the hard way because originally I was stiffed a number of times with different contractors. And you brought up Brandon, you know, in, in Ohio that, you know, you had 15 contractors, but yet, you know, some were late, some didn't show up and every excuse under the sun. Yeah. For me, I'm a man of my word. And if you're going to be late, call me and tell me you're going to be late. Don't show up a half an hour later and think I'm still going to be there. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not going to be there. I'm gone. Yeah. I don't care what excuse you tell me unless you were in the hospital or somebody died and you can show me proof. Okay. Then you'll get a second chance. But for me, there is no second chances when it comes to contractors. You mess up once that sets the tone for me that you're going to keep messing up. I agree. So, it's just, it's been a learning experience over the years and getting good quality guys. And then every, all these guys know somebody, Oh, you need a framer. Oh, I, Oh, this guy over here, you know, he's not working right now. He's a great framer. All right, yeah. let's, let's see what they you know can do. And it's, we'll pay you for one day. Let's see what you can do for one day. And if the, the group, if everybody agrees, so we don't even make the decision. We let everybody within the team who's working on the project, we let them decide if that person's going to come back or not. And let me tell you, these guys put that one guy or a couple guys, they put them to the test. Yeah, they yeah, really know. put, the, and they test them to see, Oh, you know how to do this. Okay. Let's see how knowledgeable you are. And if That's you don't good. cut, the, you don't, you don't pass their test. Yeah. They come and say, we don't want these guys. We don't want these two guys. We don't want this guy back. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I like how you mentioned earlier too um, that you you brought up you know building relationships with neighbors and stuff like that to keep an an eye on uh, any squatters. Um, that, yeah. That's something that I've implemented as well. Um, with every time I, I get a new property, I always meet all the neighbors and I, I tell them what my vision is, what my purpose is, what I'm doing, and we always exchange numbers and. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I always let them know, you know, I give out referrals for finding good tenants. Yep. And I also, um, you know, let me know if any issues or any, anything strange happening around the house. And I've had some amazing uh, neighbors, fortunately, that, you know, let me know that type of stuff. So I think that's a good tip as well. But, and um, with that, Brent, oh, sorry, let me just, let me just interject something really quick. And another thing, what we've implemented is we have asked the neighbors, Hey, do you know any other houses like this? Do you have any family oh, members yeah. or friends, anybody that's in a distressed situation? 
We want to be able to help them. And now we can say, hey, if we can't pick it up as an investor, well, hey, maybe we can sell it on the retail market so that they can get a higher price. So we've talked about that. And now we've actually implemented the idea, hey, let's partner. Maybe this house next to our project is less desirable. It's another less desirable house in the neighborhood, but they don't have the finances to pick this, this property up. They do want to sell it. So we say, hey, let's partner together. We'll fix it up. We'll get you top dollar. You know, that way you get more money on the, on the end when it sells on the retail transaction. And it's a win-win for both, both parties. So yeah. we've been picking up properties just by implementing that strategy as well. That's a great strategy as well. I've heard uh, several people, you know, really crushing that strategy lately. And in, in you know, uh, a little bit more, I guess you would say like tougher, more tough um, type of markets like Washington or, you know, higher class LA areas, which is mm-hmm. awesome. That, that's a really good strategy. Um, yeah. Jump, jumping into leads, you know, how, how are you coming across the leads right now? Again, because we've been in the business, you know, for a long time, um, we have, yeah, we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of real estate partners. Uh, We actually have other investors that call us up, um, say, hey, you know, I'm new to the industry. I think this is a good deal. Let's go over the numbers. Oh, it is a good deal. Do you want to partner together? So we have those opportunities. Cool. Um, But then also there's, there's a, a system that I've, I mean, for years, this has been my system for, you know, for attaining leads and that's probates. I'm a big advocate on the probate market. And for, for those that don't know what the probates are is let's say Brandon and I are brothers and I pass away. And in my will, I say that Brandon gets full rights to this house. Well, Brandon has to go to court. Brandon has to file the correct paperwork. Well, at the end of that process, Brandon gets called what's a letter that's called the letter of testamentary. Now, Brandon can do whatever he wants with that house. The, the courts have, have deemed him the actual executor, administrator of the estate of, of they're basically the courts adhering to my wishes that I'm, I'm giving the property to Brandon. And now Brandon can sell it. Let's say Brandon lives in, you know, Ohio and it's a California home. Well, Brandon, you know, probably doesn't want this house. So what I've been able to do is contact people like Brandon directly. Those are called administrators or executors. I only want, I only focus on what's called pro per people that file all these legal documents through the court system that do it without an attorney. And in California, I can only speak about California. I don't know any other state how the system works, but in California, when you file those documents and you are the administrator or executor of the estate, you have to leave your telephone number in California. You have to do that. So as soon as it's filed, we get lists every Monday. They come out with all the new filings from the previous week. So what I'm doing is I'm on the phone calling them immediately. And the reason why I'm calling them is because they've given notice to the world that they need to do something with this property. Nine times out of 10, they've tried to rent it out and it just, it didn't work. Now they're at a point where they're frustrated and they just want to sell the property. We've been, gosh, we've been number 13, you know, investor that has actually looked at this property. And there's one tip that I really want to leave with your audience. If you choose to follow this path and afterwards, you know, if you want to 
call me directly or email me. I'll be more than happy to share the whole entire system with you guys. But it's, it's what we've done is built a relationship with that administrator, that executor, all the investors go in and they're just like, Oh, they're doing their numbers. They're calculating the best, highest offer they're going to submit to this person. I want to know about that person. So before I even see the house, I'm getting to talk to this person. I'm building that rapport. Yeah. Hey, so tell me what happened. What relation was it to you? And I already know because in California, it tells what the relation was. Uh, let's say it was an uncle that passed away and, and John, um, John got the house. Well, it says that in California, but I, I just like to ask, even though I know, hey, what was your relation, you know, to the person that, of the deceased that passed away? And I, and I emphasize with them because I understand what it is to have somebody pass away. I, I get that. And I can really empathize with them, mm -hmm. you know, and we talk about that. And it's, it's building rapport. There's been times, Brandon, where I wasn't the highest offer. I wasn't the lowest. I was kind of in the middle. They had much higher offers than I did. But because I built rapport with that person, they felt in a sense, almost like obligated because I built that rapport and built a great relationship in literally 10 minutes mm -hmm. that I ended up getting a lot of these houses because of that, that process. Yeah. So probates have been my number one source of the best leads and they're the most motivated sellers in my opinion, okay. again, because I've been doing this for such a long time because once they file with the courts, it gives the world notice that they have to do something with that house. Of course. And I'm finding in California, most of the probates here are out of state, you know, family members that come to California. They don't even want to be here. They hate the traffic. They just say, get rid of this house. You know, so I'll run into situations where they're hoarder houses, literally. I mean, they're, they're horrible. And I'm like, okay, what is it? And it's, again, it's, it's fact finding. Do you want me to write an offer as if I took care of all of this stuff for you so you don't have to deal with it? Do you guys want to take care of it? I will make my offer accordingly. You know, so it's just a matter of asking questions. And I feel I'm trying to provide a solution to the challenge that they have with this house. Mm. Now, that's awesome that you brought up um, probate because, you know, it, I, I believe that uh, in the next few years that a lot of the, the uh, I guess, baby boomers, um, baby boomers that will yeah. be passing away uh, will be, you know, leaving these properties to, you know, a loved one and um, a lot of millennials, they, they're not into actually buying anymore or nor do they want their, you know, their grandparents or, or their own family's house anymore because of the, the disrepair or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, they rather travel and, you know, uh, spend it on other things, yep. unfortunately. So, um, so I, I think that's going to be a huge opportunity in the future for even more probates coming around. Now, how does that work exactly when, um, so basically you get your list each, each week and beginning of the week from the week previously, you have the number to contact them, you build relationships with because, real estate is a relationship built business yes. and you, you know, you relate with them. They don't care about the numbers or the, the real estate themselves. They're, you know, they have a problem at hand and you're the solution. So you need to figure out how to relate with them in that aspect and really be able to build the relationship before you, you know, uh, solve their problem. Um, so 
they, they don't have an agent. So then you, it, it really just comes down to an agreement between both parties and you write it down on paper and, you know, close on the deal. Simple as that. Yeah. So that's why I target propers without an attorney because you're right, Brandon, they do not have an attorney. I mean, they, not only do they not have an attorney, they don't have a real estate agent as well. Okay. So I try to marry the, the problem with the solution. I'm like, I'm in the middle. So I want to help them with their problem that they have with this ugly beat up house that they don't know what to do with. And I'm the, what, what I am, the guy that I am is I'm providing them facts. I'm telling them, Hey, if you want to talk to an attorney, you know, go ahead and talk to an attorney. Here's what you should do. Here's what you should not do. I'm trying to educate these people because first off, there's still a lot of them are still in the grieving process. Um, maybe somebody has passed away two or three years ago and they've been trying to rent the house because they wanted to be a landlord and that hasn't gone so well. Yeah. So I try to give them legal facts from California, again, because I'm in California, what law applies to them in this situation. I've given out free legal service, not by me because I'm not a, an attorney, but I've recommended them to call my attorneys that I use for everything that I'm involved with the real estate, whether it's probates, whether it's contracts, whether it's you know even being sued over a transaction. So then I can say, Hey, speak to the professional. If you don't accept my word as truth, at least let them, you know, validate what I've told you. Mm. Um, I've done a lot of work for free because I've wanted to help them. And maybe I wasn't even the one who even bought the house, but yet I spent time because they, I've called up companies to say, Hey, um, you know, come pick up the trash from these guys, you know, and they really need to get the house cleaned out. I didn't even buy the house, but yet I helped that person. And that goes a long way, you know, especially in today's market. Like I said, I didn't even buy the house, but yet I was still helping them. So I try to be the resource, the go-to resource to get the problem off of their hands. Whether I buy it or not, I still want to be able to help them. And the thing is in California, there is an abundance. When I say abundance of pro per filings, I can't handle them all by myself. So I, I, you know, want other investors to help me because and then there are, but there's, people have a, a misconception of what probates are. They think, oh, I have to go through this long, drawn out court process. But again, in California, once they get that letter of testamentary that's stamped from the courts, it becomes a standard sale. Yeah. So to answer your question, Brandon, it could be a one page contract. As long as we open up title and escrow, yeah. we're good. It could be a car contract. It's whatever they want is what it, let's say they say, oh, well, Aunt Tilly said we need a, a car contract. Is that true? I said, well, you don't need one. It's not, it, it's not required by law, but if that makes you feel more comfortable, yeah. absolutely 100%, I will definitely get you a California Association of Realtors contract for yeah. this transaction. I know a lot of situations um, that I've seen successfully with other investors uh, working with either probate or somebody that's just not experienced in the real estate um, kind of transaction side of it. It's, it's a lot more, I guess, daunting or overwhelming to see those big, thick, uh, you know, paperwork to go through um, and, and can be a little bit more hesitating. So a lot of people typically try to refrain from that and, and really just shoot with the one page or two pages uh, to just simplify it. But that's some great tips. 
Yeah. Um, now, do you mind uh, jumping into how you go over, you know, how you run your numbers on a deal to for any newbies out there that, you know, uh, want to actually figure out, you know, what a deal looks like or how they can pursue a deal? Um, gosh, I, I, and I'm a little hesitant only because for us, it's, it's way different. So I'm trying to think if I was brand new again, you know, you hear so many things like, oh, you need to take, write your offer at 70% ARV, which is after repair value, minus your construction costs, yeah. minus, you know, there's so many different formulas out there. Um, so that's why I'm, I was a little hesitant when you asked that question, because for me, it's way different. And I'm just trying to think if I was just starting all over again, um, you know, how would I create those numbers? How would I figure out what is the, the best way for me to, to make this a profitable deal? Um, if I was brand new again and starting all over, what I would do is I would first talk to a real estate agent because I would, I want to see apples for apples, the CMA or cost market analysis, or, you know, I want to see comps. I want to see if this house is kind of beat up, I want to see what other houses in, I only do a quarter mile radius because neighborhoods in Los Angeles County yeah. can change from street to street. Of course. You could be on one side of the street. That's a great neighborhood. You go on the other side of the street and it's horrible. So most people say, Oh, well, you need to go within a mile radius. I, I don't like a mile radius. I, I like a quarter mile. That's just me personally. I want to see what is my house. If it's a three bedroom, two bath, I want to see what other three bedroom, two baths, are up for, I want three sold. I want three pending. And I also want three that are active currently right now that are on the market. Mm. So I want to kind of base my, my ideas off of what the realtor, and I don't re really rely solely on the real estate agent. I'm checking, you know, Redfin. I love Redfin. They used to have a tool that um, they actually took away. So I can't, I can't speak about that any longer, but it was, it was called Priceless Home where you could literally almost do like a same type of uh, CMA that realtors could do, but Redfin took that feature off. But um, I'm doing my own due diligence. I'm, I'm checking title. I'm checking comps on title. Yeah. And there's so many different ways, and I could go on for days to talk about that, but I'm just giving a little premise. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to get my contractor in there. I, you know, you could even call contractors and say, hey, I want an estimate, you know, can you give me a free estimate? And a lot of contractors will come and give free estimates. You know, they're going to ask you, what is it you want to do? Oh, I want to do a full rehab. You know, I want to do a full remodel and they can pretty much tell you what it's going to cost. You know, again, I'm a little, um, since I have a little bit more experience because I've been doing this a little bit longer, I know exactly what rehabs are going to cost pretty much darn near to, you know, at least a nickel. I'm, I'm pretty accurate as yeah. far as my numbers. You know, so I can say, well, oh, we need new cabinets, new kitchen, new this, new that. Oh, it's going to be about 60000 Okay, cool. But for the new person who doesn't have that experience. You definitely need a contractor to walk you through that type of, and one that you trust that isn't yes. going to, you know, pull the, pull the cape over your eyes there. <laughs> yes, you're absolutely right. So, you know, you're going to have to get that number and, and just know that, the contractor's number is going to be a little inflated because they need to make a profit too. So just know that, you know, so I'm still hesitant, Brendan, only because I don't know today how I would figure out 
you know, again, do you go to the 70% after repair value, write yeah. your offer off of that? Again, because since I know Los Angeles County really well, I know what prices can sell for. And I don't speculate what the future value is going to be. I, I don't do that because that's where you'll get burned. Yeah. You think, oh, well, we're going to appreciate 3% or 4%. No, no, no. Oh, yeah. Never you go off of that. Never do that. Placing you, on a cake only. It, that's exactly right. Absolutely. You just, you said it eloquently because that is icing on the cake. You know, I, I think what I would do today is just, um, if we're not making, and I know this sounds even in LA County, yes, it still can be done. If, if we're not making 75,000, you know, per flip, it's like, it's not worth our time. And that may seem a little arrogance. No, um, no. I, I'm just, I'm just speaking the truth because we don't want to waste our time on something smaller, you know? So I think if you can figure out after the repair value, what it's going to be and minus your, you know, your expenses and whatever profit that the newest person wants to make, if you can justify those numbers to get the profit that you you're going to make and you have to factor in, there's a lot. Like I said, if somebody wants to get a hold of me later, I can, we have through this a little bit more. Yeah, we could go a little bit more, a lot more in detail, you know, cause there's actually spreadsheets that I can send to you guys to kind of map out what, you know, the realtor fees, the taxes are going to be your insurance, yeah. you know, so you want to equate what your bottom line dollar is going to be and, and have a, a true indication, you know, so if you want to make $40,000, you're like, okay, well, I can only spend this much on the, the rehab, you know, we are going to make, you know, uh, instead of a master retreat, we're just going to make it, you know, a nice master bedroom and bath. We like to value add. That's what we call it in this of industry course. value adding. We love taking a two bedroom, one bath and, and creating a three bedroom, two bath with a Forced nice appreciation. Yes, that's exactly. Right. That's and, and in Los Angeles County. If I mean, we can pick up a lot, even if it's like 4,800 square feet, a lot of 4,800 square feet, you can still add on, you know, a full, master bath uh with a, a bedroom and still have plenty of yard space people yeah. want yards for their dogs and barbecues and things like that so we have to take that into consideration plus we love doing um really nice backyards but that's not what you guys are going to do right now just getting started so you're going to have to figure out what it is that you're really going to net and like i said if anybody wants to get a hold of me later you know you can reach out to brandon or find me on facebook and and i'll be more than happy to literally show you on spreadsheets what your numbers will factor out to be so that's why yeah. i'm a little hesitant brandon not that you're i don't fine. want to answer you're the fine. question it's I, just it's a little I, bit difficult trying to say here's the correct formula because if you listen to this person they're going to tell you one formula. listen to this person course. they're going to you go to bigger pockets, which is a great resource for the new people because there's so much information, yeah. you know, but again, when you're in the trenches on a daily basis, you're going to know what's going to work for you. And 70% a lot of times doesn't work, especially in a competitive market like Los Angeles. So, yeah, no, I agree. I think roughly, I mean, just going over it a little bit, um, you know, obviously figuring out very strongly what your, your ARV is, what your after repair value would be, and yep. then um, what you would like to make on it, figuring out exactly or around about what your um, expenses will be when it comes down to the rehab. And usually overestimate, I like to overestimate all yes. my costs and yep. then underestimate, um, you know, what the income could be, which would be the ARV. 
just so you have a little bit extra wiggle room there mm -hmm. and then come up with you know um the time that you're anticipating it will take especially in real estate and buy and holds or not buy and holds but fix and flips um or any any type of real estate it typically takes a little bit longer than i rarely rarely ever hear anybody say you know we we were expecting six months and we got it done in two months you know yeah, I, I rarely hear that it's usually the opposite way absolutely um and then you know coming up with uh, what your holding costs would be, you know, if it did take that much longer, just because, um, you know, things happen and miscellaneous costs, stuff like that, lawyer costs, taxes, yeah. and figure out if, if there are some liens on the property, because I've heard of plenty of situations where, you know, investors jump in and then unexpected liens come up and, um, you know, that can really take a bite out of your, out of your profits. But see, that's at the beginning of your due diligence. If you yeah. find a great title company that can run all of your prelims and make sure that there's no, you know, liens or, or we've even had um, child support issues where the yeah. homeowner had child support issues, you know, or, or tax liens or federal like IRS liens, you know, so we have to know that up front. We can't find that when we're already closed on the property. Oh, guess what? There's a yeah. $25,000 tax lien that we didn't know about. So that's part of your due diligence is yep. making sure that you have a great title company on board as far as your team. And we have great, you know, a couple great title companies that we work with that will definitely, you know, be able to not have us blindsided by some of those, you know, expenses you were just talking about, Brandon. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think the my friends that actually ran into that situation, they ended up buying uh, from the courthouse steps from a tax. Um, yes. You know, so that that is one of those situations that it's kind of a last second type of situation. Yep. And obviously they, you know, beginning, um, they kind of, they, they messed up on that due diligence part. Yep. But, <laughs> yep. Uh, you know, it, it's all about the learning curve. So it's good. As far Absolutely. as buy and holds is what I kind of specialize in. And that um, I always like to figure out what my repair costs will be. And then, um, you know, what vacancies, I, I factor in the vacancies, um, you know, maintenance, um, and then capital expenditures. Usually I'm doing full rehabs on my property, but you, you do have to think, you know, how long does a uh, hot water tank typically, you know, last for. Um, and if you buy one when it's just a few years old, you know, I'm not going to replace that right away, but understand that it will come up in the next five to 10 years. So I need to start budgeting, um, factoring that into, you know, the cash flow and take that away and just put it away. So I don't actually ever need to come out of pocket for any of my uh, projects at hand. So and Brandon, you just shared something that's really important that I hope your listeners actually heard, you know, instead of pocketing, let's just say, you know, you got to figure out, and I don't know what your number is, Brandon, maybe it's $200 a door that you're after all expenses. That's what you would like to see is your cash flow 200. And I'm just using that as an example. I don't know what your numbers are, but the audience, I hope, you know, you actually heard what Brandon was talking about because what he was saying was he takes some of that profit and actually in, in holds on to it, maybe puts it into, you know, a CD or bank or whatever he puts it in. And he holds that money just in case something happens. It's like, you know, we keep a spare tire in our car for what reason? Yeah. Just in case that blowout, 
when it, that blowout happens, you yeah. have that spare tire. And it's the exact same thing that you just spoke about. So I want to make sure that your audience heard that because it's so important that a lot of investors don't take that into consideration. Of course. Yeah. And that's where, you know, it ends up turning into a situation. You know, if, if you need a new roof in 10 yep. years and uh, you're not starting to budget for that, that could be, you know, a big costly um, situation that, you know, you weren't factoring for and you're spending all your cash flow. So um, I, I highly recommend you guys because it's not if it happens, it's when, when. it happens that yes. you need to maintain your property, your, your investment. You need to just just like your car, you know, you got to change the oil on it or else it's not going to keep running. Uh, people aren't going to want to live in your property if you're not keeping up with it. So, um, yeah. Awesome. You know, uh, what are you working on now and how can we, you know, support that? Oh, gosh, there's a, there's a few things that I'm working on. Um, I'm really involved in the nonprofit uh, non uh, sector right now. Um, but I would just encourage the audience, um, working really closely with Manny Lopez. And for those that don't know him, uh, you need to really follow this guy, a young gentleman. He was an orphan, uh, literally dropped off him and his sister at 18 months old uh, and, and left in a car, actually. And um, so I'm really passionate what he's working on. And, and I'm really focused there as well, which is uh, helping kids transition. Uh, just a, a quick little you know, tidbit for those that don't understand kids that are in the foster care system, what happens is once they turn 18, they're literally on their own. Yeah. Uh, they're out of the foster care system. And Manny talks about how within a year, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I think one in three or one in two uh, foster kids that turn 18 yeah, it's, it's like way over 50%. I, I, I think it's one in two uh, or one out of two that enter the uh, out transition out of the foster care will either be dead or they'll be in jail. Yep. And that's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. So I'm really focused uh, working with him on creating, you know, he creates apps and he's helping kids or young, young adults transition from out of uh, the foster care system and he's helping these young adults get into their own business so that they can be self-sustaining. So um, we could talk more about that. I'm, I'm involved in, you know, domestic shelter, uh, violence shelters uh, in Los Angeles County. For those that don't know, if you're um, after 30 days, if you've been in a shelter because they're so overwhelmed with people that need to get into these shelters, uh, they don't have any place to go after 30 days. And usually what happens is these women end up going back to their perpetrators. Uh, so we're doing some stuff in, in maybe Brandon as, as things develop, um, you know, I can share more in detail, you know, how people can actually, you know, uh, be uh, a participant in that because we're going to be doing some, some great things here in Los Angeles County. Um, and then I'm working on a new book. And for those that, uh, don't know. I was already uh, published a book last year in October, and I'm working on a second book. And what this is is going the first to be. This one became all... Amazon bestseller, right? That is correct. Yes. Yeah, As a matter okay. of fact, uh, it was called the. Uh, here's the book right here. It's called the Hustle Code. The Hustle uh, Code. The Hustle Code. And uh, if anybody wants it, uh, feel free to reach out to me, and I'll make sure that uh, you get a copy of that. Awesome. Uh, but I'm working on my second book and, and I'm doing this for the sole purpose of that new person 
because I am literally sick and tired of these gurus. Sorry, my battery's dying. There we are. Okay, cool. Um, I'm literally sick and tired of these gurus uh, taking I feel like they're taking advantage of the newest person because everybody has a dream of getting involved in real estate one way or another, either to own, to flip, yep. you know, American to dream. wholesale. It is the American dream. And, and I'm really sick and tired of these gurus out there taking people's money, maxing out their credit cards. You get this, you know, system and, and literally you try to call them up and they're like, Oh, I'm sorry. Unless you upgrade to the mastermind package and spend another 15 or 20 grand, we can't help you out. And I'm literally sick to my stomach because I know many people who have gotten into this business who've been ripped off. So I'm going to do an all tell book of, of what it takes to flip talks about different systems that we use. Um, literally everything that we use, I'm going to be able to share this with you guys. And then eventually I'm going to come out with a, my own version of a, a real estate course, but it's not going to be anywhere near thousands and thousands of dollars like these other gurus, because we want to, we want to add value to, you know, to our real estate community. And, and I feel with our course that's going to come out, we're going to be able to do that, add value and, and literally give away so much information that you will literally be overwhelmed with all the information that you will receive. So we're I'm still working on that. So the book uh, will probably be within the next, uh, you know, I'll keep you posted probably within the next four to six weeks. Okay. Uh, I will have it finished. And uh, you have a title for the book right now? I not yet. I do okay. not yet. I'm, okay. I'm bouncing around with a couple different uh, versions of it as far as what to name it. Yes. Uh, so I'm not sure yet. So I'll definitely, no you know, keep you posted on that and, maybe we can do a follow-up, you know, when the book launches. Of course. Yeah. And definitely let me know anytime we can always update the show notes and, and throw it in there. Um, so man, that is awesome. You got a big heart. I love it. I love thank, it, brother. Thank, and thank you so much. And you know, I just, I want to thank you. Actually, this is my very first podcast, you know, ever, ever doing a, a podcast. So thank you to, you know, inviting me and, and, you know, you've had some amazing guests on your show and, and I just, feel like if I left somebody just a, you know, small portion of, of my life and how I can help them, you know, I, I'm just, I'm thankful that I had that opportunity. And, um, I, you know, I'm pretty open, you know, I've given away a lot of my time to a lot of, uh, you know, new students and that want to learn the business and, you know, I'd be happy to, you know, have a conversation with you guys. And, you know, I'm an open book just like Brandon is. And, you know, I'm sure Brandon and I will be, actually, we, I don't know if you, you I don't think you've ever sure, shared the story, Brandon, but there's a property that Brandon and I were both trying to go after. I gave him the address and it uh, just hasn't materialized, but we will do a deal together. We'll we yes. we will do a deal together. Yeah. Declare so, it. That's awesome. That's right. I declare it now. <laughs> yeah. So how many projects, I don't think I've asked in the beginning, but just for listeners out there, how many projects yeah. have you been a part of? Since 2007, uh, it's about 54, 55 right now projects that I've actually been involved with. Oh, yeah. Well, now when I say be involved with, that's actually flipping the projects. I've been in hundreds of, oh, yeah. I don't even know what the number is as far as, you know, wholesaling properties off to other investors. Um, yeah, I don't even know what that number is, but so hands on, hands on. Yeah. It's been, it was at 52 and now we've, we've done a few more. So I think it's like 55 is where I'm at now. Nice. 55 or 56. Yeah. That's awesome. 
Yeah. All right, brother. Well, how can, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Um, how, how can people reach out to you? Yeah, you can find me on Facebook, uh, just Bernie Germani. It's B-E-R-N-I-E. And then last name is Germani, G-E-R-M-A-N-I. It's just under my, my first name. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I'm at uh, Benny Blanco 69. I love that character in, uh, in the movie from way back when. I'm not going to get into that. But uh, in 69, people are like, what is that? I'm like, oh, that was the year I was born. So I was born in 1969. Um, all over social media. Um, I don't have a podcast yet, but I will have one. And Brandon will definitely be a guest on there too. So uh, I'm on YouTube as well. I have a few videos up there. I'm starting to get that going. Uh, pretty much use, um, I'm on Twitter as well. It's, it's under REO Bernie. Um, I don't really use Twitter too much anymore. I'm on LinkedIn as well. If you just Google my name, you'll find me. I'm, I'm all over social media. Um, you know, you can definitely get a hold of me that way. Cool. Yeah, man. I love it. Thank you so much for being a part of this. I, I really, I mean, it's tremendous. You've given so much knowledge today and, um, you know, above and beyond on, on your time to, to be able to give back and help out people either just getting started or possibly already have a couple of deals under their belt and just looking for a little bit of extra guidance. So I appreciate you, brother. It means a lot. Thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity that you've given to me. I, I feel you know, what an awesome gift that you've given to me to have my first podcast be with you. So I, I thank you. And, you know, if, if there's anybody out there that's struggling, you know, trying to raise money, um, just reach out to me. I, I have presentations. I have, and especially if you want to see the numbers, you know, how the numbers actually work out, you know, you got to take so many consideration and factors into play. And I have a whole spreadsheet that I can send to you guys, you know, and just give you that value to make sure that, you don't lose money because I'd hate to hear, you know, somebody from Brandon's audience say, Hey, I was involved in this transaction and I actually lost a lot of money because you will probably no longer be in the business. Yeah. So, I you know, I, I don't want that to happen. So I want to make sure that, you know, if you reach out to me, I, I give you whatever tools I can to help you succeed. Oh yeah. Appreciate that brother. That's awesome. Of course. Very cool. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much, so much for joining, listening. And I know you guys are going to love this. Um, if you guys could share it, uh, comment, leave a review, get it out to somebody that is interested in real estate investing, but just doesn't know how to get started. Um, or if it's you, then, you know, just soak all this in, take some notes on it, reach out to us. Uh, you can reach me at brandonelliotinvestments.com. Uh, or at my email, brandonelliotinvestments at gmail.com. Um, thank you guys all so much for being a part of this. Appreciate you guys. And uh, Bernie, thank you, man. Appreciate you. I mean, you're the best. Appreciate you, brother. Thanks, Brandon. I appreciate it. Good night, you guys. All right, guys. Till next time. God bless. This has been another episode of Ready, Set, Go! Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by Brandon Elliott. For more information, please visit brandonelliotinvestments.com. Also, please don't forget to like, share, and leave a comment below. Thanks again for joining. Until next time, God bless.